Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I am your host and unconscious mind expert, Jenea Barnes. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. And uh, we're going to talk about self-sabotaging. So are you sick of sabotaging yourself? I think a lot of us have had that experience where we're plugging along, moving on our towards our goals, and next thing you know, we throw a wrench in the wheel. We should throw a wrench in the gears. And I know that we don't do this on purpose. We want these goals. It's not like we want to screw everything up, but somehow when we're not paying attention, that's the key right there. When we're not paying attention, we will do something that will sabotage ourselves. And if you're sick of this, I think a lot of people are sick of this, but if you're sick of this, perhaps understanding what's underneath it all will be supportive for you. And you guys know that I, of course, am an unconscious mind expert. And so I'm going to talk about the unconscious motivations behind this self-sabotage that many of us have done and maybe we're still doing. So we're going to dig a little bit into survival mode. Now, the thing is, Your unconscious mind has one primary objective, one. Its main number one priority is to preserve the body. Simple, preserve the body. And so you think, well, if it wants to preserve the body, why is it sabotaging me? Well, here's the thing. And this gets down to some deep, deep instinctual like people call it the reptilian brain. When we come into this world, we know without a doubt that we cannot survive on our own. As a baby in this world, a newborn baby, we need somebody to love us so that they can take care of us. And that's instinctual baseline survival mode right there. Somebody needs to love us or at least like us enough that they want to take care of us and help us grow up. So what happens is that in the beginning, when we're little, it becomes all about love. If we're not getting the love that makes us feel secure, we will bend our behavior to try to get the love. And this is like perhaps if you, maybe you're the funny one. Are you the funny one? If you're the funny one, maybe you got some really positive feedback and some attention when you were little. And this made your little mind think, well, oh, When I'm funny, people show me affection and they show me attention. This makes me feel loved. This makes me feel safe. Like I'm not all alone. And if I'm not all alone, that means I get to live. Baseline survival mode stuff. So we go about our life in the early years, bending our behavior 
to receive love. And now if you have really great parents, and lots of you do, probably most of you do have really great parents, but if you have really great parents and they have moments where maybe they're sick, tired, depleted, not feeling that great, and they cannot shower you with the protection, the acceptance, the understanding, the support and the encouragement that you need at all times to feel fully, completely loved, then you might have a moment where you're like, wait, wait, maybe they don't love me. And then we, our little minds will make up stories. And when we're little, we don't have the greatest understanding of the world. We have a very limited, narrow view of what's going on. For instance, if you are, if you just fell down and scraped your knee and you really need somebody to scoop you up and hug you, right? We all want that, right? When we fall down. And so maybe we go into the kitchen and mom or dad is at the stove and they just accidentally set the towel on fire. And here you are pulling on their pant leg, leg pay attention to me, pay attention to me. And they are completely ignoring you because they're putting out a fire on the stove. Now your little self is very tiny and you cannot see that there's a fire on the stove and you might not even know that fire is dangerous, not yet anyway. And so mom or dad is putting out the fire to keep everybody safe. But your little mind says something like, well, why aren't they paying attention to me? Why do they not love me? Maybe they don't love me. What do I need to do to make them love me? And when we're little, we do things that maybe we wouldn't do as a very conscious, aware adult because our ideas and concepts are very much, they're smaller because we don't really have that big understanding of the world. So it's like little things like we're going to be funny or maybe we try and make sure that mom is really happy so we become a people pleaser. Or maybe we feel like we have to succeed to make dad proud because if dad is proud, then he will love me. And here's the bottom line. We seek this love. And later, again, as we move into like adolescence and those where we're working with our peers, where we have friends and stuff that need to belong and that need to be loved comes down to a basic instinct that if we are thrown out of the tribe, we might not live. And so again, we're going to start to bend our behaviors to try to get this love because we desperately need this love in order to survive. So here we are. Hi, Kat. I see that you're watching on YouTube, which is awesome. And so as you're moving through trying to get this love so that you can survive, you might make up beliefs like maybe we get into this worthiness stuff. This is a really big piece of that underlying need to survive. So if we begin to feel like we are unworthy, it becomes our survival mode thing. And when we are in this place of survival mode, 
We are running around trying to prevent what we don't want to happen. And what we don't want to happen is we don't want to lose the love. So this is why we bend our behavior. This is why we might become the people pleaser, why we might try to be a perfectionist, all of these things, because we are trying unconsciously to prevent what we don't want to happen. And what we don't want to happen is we don't want to lose any love. Because if we lose the love, that means potentially there's a threat to our life. And this is instinctual stuff. And as we move forward in life, as we continue to grow, a lot of this stuff switches from that need to love to also money. Anybody out there have money issues? Do you sabotage yourself with money stuff? Well, it comes down to the same thing. We know that we need money to survive. So those survival things that we've done to try and get the love translate into money. Potentially, they translate into food because we also need food to survive, sometimes sleep as well. So these things that are basic necessities of survival, what, the, what we're, are formulated when we're little, when we're imprinting everything, is certain behaviors that we need to do to ensure that we actually have the love. And again, that will translate if you really hang on to love, like you tend to pull your, your partner close and, and don't let them go. Maybe they say you smother them. You might also have a tendency to really hang on to your money and be afraid to let it go. There might be fear around that because underneath it is this belief that was formed because of whatever moments where you felt unloved in the beginning that you have to hang on to it because there's a chance that it can leave. Okay, so all of this, we've got all of this survival mode looking to try and stay alive. And so how does this sabotage us now? Well, I know you guys have probably heard about the law of attraction, right? The secret. And it's like, oh, just concentrate on what you want and you will get it. <laughs> like, it sounds simple. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I've wanted a million dollars for my entire life and I don't have a million dollars. The law of attraction does not work. Forget it. Kapoosh. I've wanted to be happily married, happily ever after and have all of that stuff. I've been thinking about it my whole life. And you still haven't gotten it. Law of attraction doesn't work. But here's the thing. When we have those moments where we bend or contort our behavior because we're trying to make sure that we're not thrown out when we're little, right? We want to make sure they love us, make sure that they won't leave us, all of that. When we bend those behaviors, what we start doing is we start tracking for any possible scenario that was just like the one that made us bend our behavior in the first place. And granted, it's a choice. It's not, nobody makes us do anything. It is a choice, even when we're little. 
But so we're bending our behavior. We're trying now to avoid mom not mom ignoring us or dad thinking that we're not the best, whatever it is. So now it becomes what you're unconsciously focused on. Perhaps it's that million dollars, right? And that million dollars is because maybe it will prove that you are worthy. So all this time, your brain is not really focused on the million dollars. Your brain is actually focused on what you don't want to happen is to be unworthy. You've got to be successful or you will, dad won't love me. And therefore, if dad doesn't love me, then I will be thrown out. And we know logically, unconsciously, that this stuff makes no sense. You're a grown person. You're a grown person. And it's not important to your survival that your parents, they don't need to throw you out. Well, I guess unless you're an adult living at home, and then it might be detrimental to your life if you're thrown out. But these beliefs are formed when we're young and these parts of us that are trying to prevent it are still operating with those resources and the thought processes of a little kid. So now you've got a part of you that is tracking for nobody ignore me. If somebody is ignoring me, it must, it, it's unconsciously you believe they might throw me out. So I have to do whatever it takes to make sure that they don't ignore me so that I'm not thrown out. And your brain is tracking for what you don't want to happen. I've got to look at every situation to make sure that I'm not being ignored. So you're seeing the being ignored thing. And then whatever behavior you bend that you might not like, maybe you become a people pleaser, or maybe you get loud and you annoy people <laughs> like me probably right now. <laughs> but whatever the behavior is that you bend to try to prevent the thing that you don't want, you start doing it because your brain is really tracking and tracking for the thing that you don't want. And what happens, people talk about this thing called shadow work. And I don't particularly like to call it shadow work because it's all just a part of us. There's no piece of us that's bad or good, but all these parts, they want something good for you. And a lot of times it really is base level survival. I need to make sure that they still love you or that you have enough money so that you're not thrown out. So you can survive. Remember, as I said earlier, the number one objective of the unconscious mind is that to preserve the body. Well, we've all been working on our stuff. Well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us have been working on our stuff. And we consciously, once we're aware of an issue we have, we consciously can overpower whatever that uncomfortable feeling is like, I really want to get loud and annoying so that they're paying attention to me. Hey, pay attention to me. But I'm going to use my conscious power, my conscious mind to override that. And I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to sit in that uncomfortable feeling. And I'm just going to power through it. And you get to the other side. And if you do this enough times, your unconscious mind will start to learn that, hey, 
I'm I'm not gonna die if I'm not gonna die if this happens because look at this. I just went through it and I power I sat through it and and I, I was okay. And so when we talk about working on an issue, this is we do this over and over and over again. We power through that uncomfortable feeling until one day, poof, hopefully your unconscious mind gets it. And when your unconscious mind gets it, boom, the issue just disappears. Well, that work, you have to be on point every second of every day to make sure that you can power through because we all know those moments we were talking about, you sick of sabotaging yourself. We all know when we have those moments where we're sick, we're tired, we're depleted, we're distracted, we're intoxicated, and we don't power through and do the thing that we know consciously we need to do. Like, have you ever been drunk and been in a position where you do not want to text somebody? You know consciously it's a bad idea. But here's, here's you know, that thing. Well, wait, are they ignoring me? Do they like me? Do they like me? Do, are, are they ignoring me? Right? We're just triggered right back into those feelings of whether we're loved or not. And most of these trigger points, most of these like issues come from a moment when we're little, like I said, like that little moment at the stove with the parent putting out a fire on top of the stove and you thinking, making up a story that they don't love you. And because those wounds are there in the past, these are trigger points. They're they're anchored into your neurology until you clear them out of your neurology. Whenever you think somebody might be ignoring you that you like or that you love, it brings you right back to that feeling of being three years old and you start acting like a three-year-old. So you start sending all these text messages. Why are you ignoring me? I don't understand why you're ignoring me. And you, <laughs> you look at the next day, you're like, oh no, what did I do? I sabotaged myself. Well, it's because you're intoxicated, sick, tired, depleted. Your unconscious mind takes over. Our conscious mind is more powerful than our unconscious mind. But when we're, again, sick, tired, depleted, all of that stuff, hangry, all of that stuff, our unconscious mind starts driving the bus. And our unconscious mind is going off of the images that it sees in your mind. It wants you, it wants to get you what you want. It really does. But your unconscious mind has the thinking process power of a seven to nine year old. And it only goes off of your emotions and the images that flash through your mind. So if you're flashing through your mind, I don't, I don't want to be alone right? A lot of people when they're dating, they get, they pick up those apps and they start like swiping because they feel alone. I don't want to be alone. So you're flashing, you're flashing all these images of being alone. You're not even realizing it, but what your unconscious mind is tracking for is what you don't want. So because your unconscious mind is tracking for what you don't want and your unconscious mind is seeing all those images that you're feeding it about being alone 
because it doesn't understand the word not. I don't want to be alone. It doesn't hear the not. The image when I say I, I don't want to be alone, when the, the image that passes through your mind is of you being alone. Now, if you I say I want to be in a happy, loving relationship, that image that flashed through your mind so quick is very different, isn't it? So your unconscious mind is often tracking for what you don't want. And because of that, it's saying like, oh, I know what Janaea wants. Janaea wants to be alone. She keeps seeing all these images. I keep seeing all these images of her being alone. So that must be what she wants. I'm going to help her get it. And then it will start to, every time you're sick, tired, depleted, all of the things, it's going to start running the show and leading you towards what you don't want. So this is why we sabotage ourselves. And like I said, you can power through things over and over and over and over again until hopefully one day your mind, poof, gets it. And once your unconscious mind is like, oh, oh no, she wants a happy, loving relationship. That's what I'm going to help her get. Then the problem just disappears. Well, that powering through takes a long time and it's a pain in the butt, doesn't it? <laughs> there are faster ways. There are faster ways. I know some of you might have been sitting in therapy for the last 10 years being like, man, I am talking about my stuff all the time. I'm doing the work. I'm being really conscious. I'm taking those steps and I'm powering through and I still haven't gotten rid of the problem. I do it less. I have more awareness. I have more consciousness. I'm definitely better than I used to be. But man, you might be thinking to yourself, when is my unconscious mind going to get it? Just get it, poof, so I can be done with this issue once and for all. <laughs> well, y'all, there's ways. There are ways. That's one of the reasons why I have dipped so heavily and become the unconscious mind expert that I am. My own life, I was always trying to be very positive and I was very, you know, I had all of that going for me, but I had so much trauma and so many spikes of emotion where I created these beliefs and I have these little parts of me running around trying to like make sure that I don't get, I have to stay safe. I have to make sure that this doesn't ever happen again. And then this doesn't ever happen again. And God forbid, I can't let this ever happen for again. So while I'm conscious and aware, I'm positive and I'm moving forward and I'm trying to make the steps and I've got all these little parts running around every time I'm sick, tired and depleted being like, oh no, that's what she wants. And, and it keeps doing that. Well, <laughs> What we can do is we can, first of all, take these anchor points of emotion out of our neurology. And when we clear those anchor points, those triggers don't loop us back in those scenarios where I feel some like I'm being ignored. Don't loop us back right into that behavior of being a child of when we were ignored and we had all those feelings and emotions and we were so small that we didn't have resources to really deal with it. So we sent all those crazy text messages <laughs> when we were intoxicated. Well, we take that stuff out of your neurology and we take care of healing the emotional trigger points in 
your whole timeline. And once you do that, that in itself starts to open up a lot of new possibilities. When you're not looped into these trauma loops of the past, I mean, whether this is a little trauma, like maybe you were lost in the grocery store for a few minutes and you got really scared, but it was this spike of emotion. So whether it's one of those situations or maybe it's something really big, like you were assaulted, which is a really intense, crazy, really a big spike of emotion. And you might have triggers for a long time after that. We take out the, or rather we neutralize the emotional content of these events. And once you become neutral, things feel a lot better. It's like, all those crazy, like trying to prevent and like scatter stuff, that stuff just softens and it just feels okay. So you're, you get to this point where you feel okay. And we want to make it even better. What we want to do is we want to move each of those parts from that place of trying to prevent what they don't want to happen, right? They're really scared because I don't want this to happen. And we want to move them so that they're tracking for something different. Because once we neutralize the emotional content, that part knows, that's here's the thing, that part knows that you have the resources to handle that event or something similar. And once it knows that it has, you have the resources, it can, it can come from this place of moving from that contracting place of trying to prevent coming into that neutral place and then moving into creating something more moving into expansion. And this is what we want to create. And you might be thinking, well, I've been working on this stuff with my therapist for 10 years. Like I said that earlier, I did 10 years of therapy. I had some great therapists and I still had all the same problems, but I understood myself quite a bit better. And I had support and those were things that were very important, but I did not solve the problems because my unconscious programming was so wired in deep because of these big spikes of emotion because of all the trauma that I had. And some of you guys know pieces of my story. You can always check that out on my website if you ever want to read my story or learn more about that. Um, but as we start to bring these parts home, it opens everything up and it completely changes your perspective and what your unconscious mind is tracking for. And when your unconscious mind starts tracking for what you want consciously, you've got your conscious mind and your unconscious mind working together. Boom. That's how you create the magic of what you really, really want. That's how you actually utilize the law of attraction is you take home, you take care of and heal these parts that are running around in survival mode. And so, as you guys know, this is the work that I do. And this is why it's so important because we are trying so hard, so many of us to create these beautiful lives for ourselves, our families, our children, our, the world. And we keep pulling back and sabotaging ourselves with this unconscious programming. And we don't have to talk about this stuff to heal it. And we can heal this stuff in one session. 
it's not like you know each of these parts i mean we can't heal everything you've got to allow time for your body to integrate the new changes but it doesn't take 10 years to make the, your life better, to change the behaviors that are sabotaging you. A lot of you guys have ideas about what is the behaviors that sabotage you. And there's unconscious stuff going on with that. And sometimes there's stuff that's even deeper that you haven't seen yet. That's so below the surface. It's real sneaky. A lot of those parts are the most sabotaging because they were formed when you were very, very young. So they've sort of been running this background program for so long that you can't really distinguish much, much of a difference. So what we do, or what I do when I'm working with people is, like I said, we clear out the emotional anchors. We clear out and make the emotions of these past events where you have like anger and fear and all of that stuff. We neutralize the emotions from those events and from the, the emotionally significant events like the traumas, the divorces, the parents breaking up, that kind of stuff. And it's like if those spikes of emotion look like this in your timeline over the course of your life, when we neutralize them, and you make them flat, it's like that's a new place to make new choices from. And then because the universe is always expanding, we want to take it even further. And those parts of us that have sort of fractured off, sometimes we feel like they're working against us, right? Those parts of us, we want to actually bring them home because they're stuck basically in a little trauma loop trying to prevent whatever that little trauma, small or big, might have been. And then we bring them home so that they can actually access all of the resources of the entire you. The entire you that consciously is like, yes, I want to change this behavior. I do not want to be a people pleaser anymore. I want to be able to draw, say no when I need to say no and not have it be like an uncomfortable thing to move through. You know, when we, a lot of times when people have trouble saying no, we'll just use that one as an example. When people have trouble saying no, it, it's, it's a whole lot of fear that, and it's real scary to say no. They think something really terrible might happen. And this is an unconscious, small, young part of themselves running that place of survival. Like I need to be loved. If I am not loved, I might be thrown out of the tribe or the family and I can't survive on my own. So because this part maybe was formed when you were two years old, in this moment where you are two and you have very, very little capacity to understand the world, you are now in that point when you have to say no or go against what somebody is asking you know, it brings up all that fear and that overwhelm because those emotions are unprocessed. And then in that space, you're stuck where you were originally whenever that part was formed. So we bring those parts home. We give them a powerful place to live instead of this little circle of preventing what they don't want. And once we bring them from that place of what they don't want to that neutrality and then pop them open into this place of expansion 
that's where you start to create the things that you really want an expanded life. Oh, that was a very long diatribe that I just, or monologue, not diatribe. I'm the only one here, <laughs> just one monologue about the unconscious mind and self-sabotaging. You guys, as you listen to this, feel free to reach out to me if you guys have any questions about the unconscious mind. And if you want to understand a little bit more about that survival stuff, baseline, baseline survival stuff, a lot of the motivations of our behaviors and patterns that have been with us for a very long time since we were little is about survival. It is about living, about being loved so that we can survive and we will have the support to help us survive. And again, those issues, whatever are formed in that place in that time when we're young, looking for love and needing to survive or knowing that we need people to survive, it translates a lot of times into similar issues around money because we need in this world, we need money to survive and similar issues around food because we need food to survive. So feel free to reach out to me. And I have some special stuff coming up. If you all are interested, you can check my website, JaneaBarnes.com, and you can go to the event section on that page. I have a Releasing Your Emotional Triggers free class coming up. And also in January, I'm going to do a goal setting workshop where you're going to, we're going to plant um, your goals into your unconscious mind so that your unconscious mind can work towards you. We'll also do some conscious work about the stuff that might get in your way. So clearing all that stuff to actually set you up for the new year. And even bigger, I have a big special for those of you guys that watch or listen. I am doing a two and a half day workshop in February. And that is on the event page of my website. And that's G-E-N-E-A-B-A-R-N-E-S.com. And if you use the coupon code SSS, all capitals, SSS, you will get that two and a half day workshop for free. It'll be online. It's in February. And I look so forward to having you there, having you participate with the self-worth workshop is, you know, as we're talking about this survival mode stuff that comes from being loved so often when we bend and contort our behaviors, it creates self-worth issues. And I always tell people, I think self-worth is the number one saboteur and because it all stems from feeling worthy feeling worthy of being loved, feeling worthy of living. So I hope you to see you guys there. Go to my website. Um, you can also send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram if you have any questions about any of this. And I hope to see you all soon. Happy holidays. I have some new guests coming up in the near future. And... Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. And I'm so grateful to 
be here to talk to you all. So I will see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment, give it a rating, pass it along to your friends, follow it. These actions help other people find this podcast, and I, of course, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again, and have a beautiful day.